Kia ora koutou and welcome to Alice's Soapbox. Insert record scratch. That's right. This week we're doing things a little bit different. This Friday is Feminist Christmas, aka International Women's Day. And the theme of celebrations this year is invest in women to accelerate progress. So we thought who better to join us for a kōrero about investment than none other than Danny and Mel Marshall, the two women that are behind women's sports and are putting their life savings on the line to champion our women in the game. So today we have a kōrero with them. We find out more about who they are, what makes them tick, and which one of them has a black belt in Taekwondo. So let us begin. Welcome. Um, you know how we start. And I am going to say that my fiance has told me off because she said it's all very well to ground yourself and fuck a papa at the beginning of each of your conversations. But she's like, but where's your intro? Who the heck are you? That's right. And that is a point well made. So we're going to all be doing it. Uh, so I figured the easiest way to do this is to go through each of those questions and just do a round. Mel knows because she's had to listen to all of these edits. She knows what the first one is, and that's no hair where are you from? We'll start with you, Mel. Sure. So, no Washington, D.C. Aho. And Danny and I both lived there for 12 years. And I grew up right outside of Washington, D.C. in, in Maryland. How about you, lovely Danny? Oh, hi, Alice. Kia ora. Ko Danny Takuingwa. No Washington, D.C. Aho. Um, we moved here from Washington, D.C., moved to New Zealand just over a year ago. Before that, I um, I was born in Louisiana and, and grew up in Louisiana and Texas, so the southern part of the United States. But after uni, moved up to Washington, D.C. That's where I met Mel. Um, we lived there for 12 years. It was a really special place. We're going to come back to more of how we met and things like that. So for me, he uriau no Nati Kotirangi, Nati Airingi, um, Airehi, sorry, Cornwall Hoki, which means that my coloniser family is from Scotland, from Ireland, and from Cornwall. Um, e tipu aku oku mātua e Goa. My mum and my dad are from Goa. Actually, my mum's from a little town outside Goa, Matauda. They seem to be famous for a paper mill and breeding all black halfbacks. Um, and then Ingariko o he puti puti e puawai roto e te whanganui atara. So I am a flower that bloomed here in Wellington. Um, and that gives you, I guess, the grounding of where I am from. So that next question for us is na waikwe. Who are you of? And again, now you've done well, we're going to start with you. Thank you. You know what? Every time uh, you ask this question to the guests, I'm always like, oh, that is such a tough one. But the way that I kind of think of this question is people that have gotten me to where I am today and who and made me who I am today. And that is um, my mom. And of course, I can't not include our chosen family. So I would say um, definitely my mom and, and our chosen family have done that for me. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so this is Danny. So for for me, I'm very proud of my um, Cajun heritage. So I'm sixth generation Louisiana Cajun, um, and kind of that's the side that I connect with the most. But in terms of uh, you know, family members, you know, some people draw the short straw when it comes to family. So yeah, my chosen family has really become my family, the people in my life 
who may may not be my blood, but they support me like I'm one of their own. I am very close, I will say, to my youngest sister. Um, She lives in Washington, D.C. at the moment. So definitely close to her. Um, But yeah, chosen family. Yeah, it's a big one. I think it's something we're aware of as members of the queer community, outing us all in this moment. Um, (laughs) um, (laughs) I think aside from that, I think it's something that actually everyone does experience. I just think we are better to kind of name it as part of that um, shape. So for me, when it comes to Ngāguaikwe, um, I'm obviously of uh, my Sopafano, the Mackays, the Fergusons, the Andersons, the O'Shea's, all of those people help shape who I am. Um, being one of many siblings also probably gives you an indication of why I am how I am. And being the, well, I was the youngest girl in the first batch. I had that position for five years until I was usurped by a bunch of boys coming along um and that again I think indicates I was often given the boy role to play in the games by my sisters when we were little and it's one that let's be honest didn't not fit so (laughs) (laughs) worked for me but I think likewise like you know my family shapes me and then the people that I have chosen and who have chosen me also have big influences. Uh, I think a lot about that in terms of obviously my family that I am building now with my fiance and then her whanau too, who have welcomed me in there. And I would say like it started with the women's rugby family for me, but like it extends probably across sports now too. But yeah, the amazing um, women in particular that I was lucky to be raised by in the game. So Marama Tauroa as my first coach, Gail Ahi as a um, huge influence there. Um, and then just other local legends like uh, Dawn Patanasio, who I had to play against. She was a real bully to me when I was young. <laughs> but, you know, who continues to carry and hold up um, her club and uh, just the influence that those people have. And that definitely then became like a, a blueprint for me and how I carry myself um, in the game. So, yeah, I guess that's a little bit of who I am all. Anyway, the next question, just a small one. We love doing the small one to um, finish, which is Mawai Kwe. For whom do you exist? Mal, do you want to start that one? Yeah, sure. Um, I think, you know, for me, I exist for Danny and um, for any future pets that we have. Um, since our move here, we... We've yet to get a new pet. Um, we had a dog named Mia for 15 years, and she was just the absolute best and just such a big part of our life. And we think about her all the time. And we just know that she would absolutely love it here at our new home in Aotearoa. So, um, yeah, that's that's who I exist for. For me, I think this is such a hard question because we're, you know, Mel and I, spoiler alert, are not doing the kids thing. Like we're not going to have human children of our own. It's just not in the cards for us. So I think, you know, there's this, there's this permanence to knowing like the, the cycle ends here, right? This lineage does not go on at least for us. But what I will say in terms of why I exist is I think when you have um, in your life, had to be resilient in lots of different ways. Um, you want to, at least for me, I want to help the next people in line who are having to be resilient, right? The people who are going through their journeys, the people who are being treated unfairly, the people who um, need a hand up um, or just need a bit of hype, right? 
And that is what really sparked for us wanting to do this whole thing with women's sports is, you know, I think I exist to make some noise for people who um, need noise made for them. Right on. I stick to you, Mal. She didn't say you. Just make a note of that for an argument off camera. <laughs> <laughs> Mel knows very, very well that um, she's my number one. It's no secret. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. That was a beautiful answer, you know, but I couldn't, I couldn't get away with it. Um, I'm always going to take the opportunity. Uh, okay. For whom do I exist? Ma Wai Quig. Um, I think about this often relating to other experiences in which we've had to, like, be asked this type of question. And a common one is when you are still playing sports. Often at the beginning of the season, uh, your coaches uh, will pull your team together and spend a lot of time trying to do the why. And if you've played in serious sports or even your local club, you've probably heard of this, where people say, you know, what is your why? Why are you doing this? Why are you in this team? And to be honest with you, I always found that pretty tough because, like, a lot of people at that point would talk about their whānau. And I'm going to be honest, my family could care less, you know, like that I chose to play sports. They don't really care. My mum always said um, she was more worried. She didn't care if her, uh, her kids were uh, clever or, like, rich or anything. She just wanted them to be kind, right? So mm-hmm. she didn't really care what I was doing in the sport. The last time she came to watch me play for Wellington, she said to my then partner, oh, Alice is quite good. And they're like, well, yeah. I don't think she's done it for this long. But, you know, so that is the kind of disconnect of my whānau from, like, yeah. my immediate whānau from my um, games. Anyway, so I couldn't use that, right? I couldn't just do the – not a cheat, but I couldn't say that it was ultimately for them. So it was an element of it was for me um, when it came to why I was doing it there. But then, like, I also have never been motivated just for myself. I've always been more motivated by letting other people down. My teammates will tell you this. Like, I would never go for a run, like, just so that I would be a better player. But I would go for a run if it was, like, making my teammate next to me have to do more work. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this. Bear with <laughs> me. So all of this is to say is, like, I'm, I've become increasingly aware over time that, like, some people don't choose to or, or aren't able in the like cut and thrust, say what they really are want to say and be able to articulate what they feel like is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a lot of times in which like systems and processes and stuff will outsource shame and they'll put it all on you in the way that they're treating you and they make you feel embarrassed for how that's happening. And so that also can stop people from being able to talk about stuff. And I, if, if I'm anything, it's shameless. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think I've come to realise that for whom I exist is like other people who can't say yet, you know, who feel like things aren't entirely good and don't really know why and want to be able to say. And so... I'm there to help put into words what they're currently feeling. And I've always found like the best feedback for me is not going to be the men that hate me on the internet because there's a few of them. Uh, It's going to be my teammates. And ultimately like if they see what I'm doing and what I'm up to and feel reflected in what I'm up to, then that's, 
that's what I'm here for. So that's my very long answer to what is actually a very big question, which is for whom do you exist? I exist to give other people the confidence that they're allowed to exist in these spaces. So there you go. (laughs) Why are we here today? So obviously this isn't the format. None of us are playing um, sports for New Zealand. So what the heck? Also, like, where did this panel of well-meaning whiteness come from (laughs) themselves to be like champions of these things but you know if we are the people that have installed all of these systems of privilege we also have to be part of those that are taking them down um is is part of the answer to that but I guess we have to start with that like what the heck who are we why are we here in terms of like what is women's sports about how did this come into being please explain Mm. It, it started off with just us being fans and uh, we had tickets to the FIFA Women's World Cup um, matches here in Auckland. And there were quite a few games that weren't here in Auckland. And so we were just like, you know, how do we how do we watch the rest of the games? How do we where's our place that we can go and we can find our community who's going to be like hype just as much as we're going to be for uh, New Zealand? And uh, we had a tough time finding that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much it, <laughs> yeah. right? So when we moved here, we were fans of women's sports. So of course, naturally, we wanted to plug into that community. We wanted to say, okay, who are the teams that we should follow? Who are the athletes that we should know about? Who should we cheer for? What should we be excited about? How do we get kind of plugged in? Mm-hmm. And what we realized, first of all, is that for a country of 5 million people, New Zealand women are crushing it at like 60 different sports. It is mind-blowing. When we started just looking around, we're like, oh, they're smashing it over here. They're crushing it over there. They're winning world championships over here. And we were shocked when we realized all this. We said, no one's making any noise about this. Who's talking about all the women as a whole and bringing together that collective noise to create something bigger for everyone. Um, We had been really inspired by just women's sports that started um, early 2020, um, just kind of as a basic social media channel that started just talking about women's sports in the U.S. And we said, well, shoot, should we just do that here for New Zealand and almost like take people along on the journey with us of learning about women's sports in our new our new home country. And then uh, a good friend of ours was like, oh, do you know Alice Soper? Because yeah. you should. <laughs> and that's where this comes in. Because <laughs> I think it was pretty clear that if anyone was yeah. making a lot of noise, it was Alice Soper. <laughs> who was it? Who, who, which, which friend of ours was it that said um, that Alice lady? Oh, it was probably Lil. Yeah, it was definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Lil's a good one. Shout out to Lil. Yes. Um, you should buy her book. Not that I kiss a girl. Anyway, that's, you can get it at your library if you can't afford to buy it. But anyway, um, yes, you, you, I, I, it was first, it was a random message on LinkedIn, which is a very funny place to find me because I'm not well known there. Like the, <laughs> most, most people would know me either from Twitter or from Instagram now for a and TikTok, but like definitely LinkedIn, I find such a funny beast. But anyway, it was random DM and then 
I was like, oh, yeah, I have time today even to have a conversation. <laughs> and it became pretty apparent, like, oh, yeah, great. This is um, something that needs to happen. And this is now linking back around to, like, obviously the theme and the essence and the reason we're having this conversation, which is that this week is obviously – Feminist Christmas, which is International Women's Day. <laughs> and so if you're not aware, the theme this year is invest in women to accelerate progress. It's that because uh, – and so what is the better conversation to have than, like, us three who are sitting here and doing that? Mm. Because let's be honest, one of the main reasons right now that when you look around, we are still um, miserly of latest reports, 25% of regular – uh, news coverage when it comes to women's sports and various pop-up enthusiasts such as myself who are are trying to champion their piece on uh, social media is because there hasn't been that investment. And just like the sports themselves that we know need that upfront push, we know the coverage does too. It's this whole circle. It's a snake eating itself. And it will never starve for reasons not to support women's sports. It drives me nuts. Like, people talk about shifting goalposts. They'll tell you there's not enough people in a stadium. You will sell out stadiums. They'll say, oh, the tickets were too cheap. They'll then say, oh, no, well, nobody's there, but that nobody cares. But actually, oh, we um, won't cover it, so nobody could care even if they wanted to. They won't ever tell you when these schedules are coming out. They'll release schedules with TBC all over them, and then they'll wonder why they have trouble converting that into ticket sales. It's like this whole thing that just is missing the point, and the core point for me is that it is a different beast, and it is a whole new opportunity because we have a situation here where, like, I feel like Sports Inc., is still in the mindset that in order to build an audience for women's sports, it's about conversion and cannibalizing the existing market. So it's about taking men's sports fans, holding their hand over the bridge into women's sports world, when actually the like sliver of intersection within that is only one tiny piece of the market. And what's really sitting there is a whole range of new people that we can bring in. And yep. that's the part that drives me bananas in all of these conversations, because I don't know how many times we have to have tournaments and then the stats come out the back of those tournaments mm -hmm. to tell us the story again and again and again, which is the amount of even just people in my friend group that came up to me and said, oh, Alice, I thought I didn't like sports. It turns out I just didn't like men's sports. <laughs> and women's sports is what it's all about. And I think a big piece of that is this taking people with you. I feel like the bandwagon doesn't exist in our sports because we're like anybody who turns up and is excited, we're like, no, my, hide am I, like, so nice to see you. Please bring a friend, you know? Um, yeah. And so obviously, like, the things for people to understand is, like, this is independently funded at this point. If you want to know who's investing in women, it's Danny and Mel. Talk me through how the heck you're able to do this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, That's a good question. Yeah. You know, we're in this weird spot where um, – so does Danny, I've worked in, in tech and startups in the States for like, you know, 13 years, 12, 13 years before moving to uh, New Zealand. I got a job with Zero doing engineering management for them. So managing teams of software engineers. And that's what got us our immigration, our resident status here in New Zealand. Very, very thankful for that. 
Um, a couple months after I started with them, they cut 15% of their staff globally. So within a few months of moving our entire lives to the other side of the planet, um, I found out that I was out of a job. It was, I mean, that's a little more dramatic than it's, you know, it wasn't quite so bad. I did end up actually um, putting my hand up for voluntary redundancy um, for a couple of reasons. I felt like I um, was the last one in the door. I felt like I should be the first one out the door. I could, I had the opportunity to save some of my colleagues from losing their job. Um, and that felt like the right thing to do in that moment. I also very selfishly could use a nap after moving to the other side of the planet. So I was very thankful to maybe have a little bit of a break Um and yeah, just be creative and think like, okay, well, here's a new opportunity. Um, what would I like to do with the next bit of my career? Um, Mel had finished up a career, not to speak for Mel, but Mel had finished up a career in the States. So we knew that she was going to need something new once we moved here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a perfect time for us to kind of figure out what just sparked joy for both of us. Um, we never planned to work together. We actually are... Well, we've been together for almost 14 years. We can barely hang a picture together <laughs> on the wall without getting a little tense. But it has been so fun, yeah. actually, to do this with Mel. There's no one in the world I would rather do this with. She's my favorite person I've ever met in my whole life. And um, I'm just lucky every single day to get to do this massive adventure, adventure with her. What's it for you, right? Like Mel, like in terms of last job to this job. Oh yeah, it, it's yes. Um, like Danny was saying, um, this this is a big career shift, and I think even even just this move to New Zealand um, was sort of a starting over for both of us. Um, it was, I think, you know, when you pick up your entire life and move to the bottom of the world, uh, you you do that for a reason, I think, and and we certainly did, um, and it's just aside from that, it's just been absolutely exactly what we needed and what we were hoping for. Um, But yes, I had a 13 year career in law enforcement. And so although I did use the computer, you know, to write reports and that sort of thing, I am using the computer so much more than I ever have in my life now. (laughs) Uh, And the whole social media thing is, is um, takes practice. So yeah, the learning curve is definitely there and but it's fun. Like Danny was saying, you know, we we had this moment in our lives where we had careers in the states and then we were making this big move and then, you know, there was a a bit of a shift and we were able to take like a breath for a second and kind of rethink the direction we wanted to go in. And um, thankfully, we had that moment to kind of be creative. And um, yeah, and so now we're trying to do this women's sports thing and, and just be hype and, 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 you know, just put that, um, put that out there in the world and, and try to build a community around it. There's an interesting thing culturally here, too, I think, um, which is like Americans. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know look if there's one thing that like the american propaganda machine has taught me oh no like you know you can do it put your (laughs) mind to it you can do anything um they um the idea though of like entrepreneurship and like having a go is something that is like very much 
at that um, heart, I guess, of like American idealism. And then it's funny though, because like I think in New Zealand we have a we have we have an interesting dichotomy that exists because on the one hand we love a little battler and we love an underdog and we love um, a DIY, which is very much what this um, crew is about. But on the (laughs) other hand, not at all poppy though. So it's like, you're allowed to have a go, but don't succeed. Or it's seed against exceedingly difficult odds, which is what we're trying to do. (laughs) And then then be very quiet about it. Yes. Yeah. Tell nobody. (laughs) It was, you know, the team, the team, everybody working together. I personally am only one small piece. La di da di da. It's very um, funny. I have to say, I find myself kind of out of step sometimes culturally here. Bailey says to me all the time, she's like, I've never met somebody so confident in their own abilities, which is just like <laughs> such a nig. But like, she's not necessarily meaning it that way. But like, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I think I can do that. And she's like, I think you probably can too. But like, why can you do that? And I was like, honestly, just try. Like, and <laughs> was having a beautiful conversation also with my mate, um, Rowinia Everett, who I am constantly inspired by and the work that she does in her community up in Titai Tokorau in the north. And she was talking about how like, she's just not scared of failing. And I think that's also part of this. It's like, for me, I'm like, I don't really care about failing. What I care more about is not trying because if we don't actually do this, I know what's going to happen. It will happen eventually, but it won't receive the true investment that it needs outside of the financial resource, which is like that actual heart and understanding and who better to do that than fans, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, while I've played some sport, I have enjoyed it more as a fan like I've enjoyed more big occasions as a fan than as a player. Mm. Is that the case for you? Did you guys actually like? What did you play? I know you <laughs> still do tennis on a Monday, um, uh, Danny. Like, what is what is your actual sporting pedigree that I'm talking to here? I should get that on the record. No, nothing. I played a little bit of tennis in high school. I've picked it back up since moving to New Zealand. I play um, C grade tennis at my local North Shore club with people who are solidly um, uh, probably 40 years older than I am and kick my butt consistently. (laughs) So that's where we are. Lovely. What about you, Mel? Did you play? So I I think um, as maybe all young or a lot of young people in the States, um, your parents end up putting you in like gymnastics when you're a kid just to like wear the shit out of you. So (laughs) I think my mom had a better kind of, um, I don't know, way of doing that. But uh, yeah, so she put me in gymnastics when I was a kid and dance, <laughs> which <laughs> which was ridiculous, just as ridiculous as it sounds. Um, so that didn't last long. And then um, I think spurred by sort of a big move when um, I was about 10 years old. So at that age, you're going from elementary school into middle school. So it's a big kind of jump. And we made a move around that same time. And so I was taken away from all my friends that I'd grown up with and everything that I'd kind of known. And I think with me being an only child, my mom was um, sort of aware that I was probably just going to become a recluse and just like not talk to people anymore. So she put me in um, Taekwondo. I gave it a shot, 
loved it, learned so much from it. Um, it, it was so much more than just an activity. Um, and so I did that all through middle school and into high school. And then I ended up playing soccer and I was a goalkeeper. Wait, wait, wait. She didn't say she got a black belt in Taekwondo. She got <laughs> a black belt. Right? So I'm like, well, that's cute. That was a great accomplishment. It was awesome. It was a great accomplishment. Uh, but it, it also, um, I didn't get it the first time around. So I also, um, you know, learned how to fail <laughs> and, you know, what that sort of looks like. But yeah, so went to play soccer, uh, was always a big fan uh, growing up and yeah, played goalkeeper in high school and some clubs, then um, did what a lot of Americans do and then stopped playing <laughs> when when I went to university and yeah. Like where the like fan culture comes in, because it oh. seems like if you want to keep engaged in sports, like that's where we're doing it, right? We're not playing it anymore. We're becoming fanatical in other ways. Mm, yeah, that's that's probably a good point. Yeah, uh, the 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 fan base in the states is like off the chain. Uh, it's just really fun. I think I'm at the age where I saw football or soccer in America start from nothing and go to where it is today. Um, I can remember going to um, see the '99ers play uh, in the states and the impact that it had on me as a young person at the time. It's interesting, like, I think people who might not understand as much about um, US women's football history, I recommend that you listen to one of my favorite sports podcast episodes of all time, the 3430 episode Backpast, which is the story of that 99 team and then the league they tried to set up after that. Mm -hmm. And it's, I've listened to that episode so many times, and every time I listen to it, there's another part of it that is just, it's such a great microcosm of, like, all the issues around a, investment, but also investment in the right people, mm. or investment in the right value system, investment mm. in the right, all of the stuff that is needed um, in order to take these things off. When she's talking about the 99ers, and Mel's doing that, she's talking about the World Cup that was played in USA in 1999. Sellout at the Rose Bowl? Am I yeah. saying? Yeah. Out this, Rose Bowl. Yeah. this is where this iconic image, was it me and him for this? That was Brady Chastain. Sorry. A mini gay awakening around the world was um, her taking her top off and sliding on her knees. Everyone was like, what is this awakening in me? Not just a love of sports. Um, so, and from that, they established the first um, attempt at a professionalism. And you know what happened? It had the wrong people around it. And people that didn't really understand or value what they were trying to market or put together, who took a lot of shortcuts we tried to copy and paste a lot of stuff from men's football. If you look at men's football in the US, it's never taken. So I don't know why you would look at that blueprint. <laughs> spoiler alert, it collapsed. And then it had to rebuild again. And then it built to a point where, I mean, and you were both present, and I want you to tell me about what that felt like. Because I, if I am jealous of one sports moment I have not yet got to attend, it would have been that. Uh, FIFA World Cup, the 2019 final, where the US women's team won and then the crowd started chanting equal pay. Like that to me has got to be the like pinnacle. That's like my politics makes my sports like to the ultimate. <laughs> oh, Alice, it was so special to be there at that game in France. I think that, um, you know, now looking back, hindsight's 2020. 
but that mm-hmm. changed the whole direction of our lives. I mean, I don't think if I hadn't been at that game, I don't know if I would have had the passion to start to start women's sports here in New Zealand, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, I became a fan of that women's football team, the U.S. Women's National Team, as they were getting ready for the 2019 Women's World Cup. I just fell in love with the players, followed them, thought they were so cool, felt like, oh, they would be my friend, right? That, like, see it, be it. And, yeah, being at that game, seeing them win, seeing the crowds, the sellout crowds, the hype, the camaraderie, the things that I think I've experienced in men's sports before many, many times and have felt so captured by that, right? But to see it for women's sport was a a game-changing moment. And yeah, after the U.S. Women's National Team won and they were getting ready to give out the trophy and the the prizes, the whole stadium started chanting just very organically, Mm -hmm. equal pay, equal pay. And it got louder and louder and louder until it was deafening. It was just so obvious in that moment that it was so much bigger than women's sports, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's the stuff you don't have to be an incredible athlete or super sporty to get into, right? That's the common experience that we all share right now in this moment. And that's what fires me up, right? Is changing that. If we can't change it in time for these players right now, can we change it for the next batch of players? What can we do to set the foundation to um, greater equity and greater equality? Beautiful. You know, see it, be it as one part, but once you see it, you can't unsee it. And I feel like we've had so many moments like that in the last wee while where we can't unsee this stuff, right? Like we, we know that if you market it, people are interested. We know that when people watch, they then are like fall in love with our athletes the way that we do. And we know that like, regardless of what anybody says, our product is just as entertaining, but it's just about how do we bridge that gap between what our amazing athletes are doing in the arena and those that should be there to witness it and to cheer them on. And that's like this part, right? Mm-hmm. You're obviously investing to accelerate, accelerate the progress in this space. But we've also been doing a little bit of mahi, right? Because this is the problem. You start asking questions, start finding out answers. Not all of them necessarily good. <laughs> Sorry, guys. This isn't just going to be a series of downers, but we have to name the issues in order to tame them. So let's go. The um, conversation we had a wee while ago when we realized what the theme was, was that obviously there's a bunch of people all the time. You see them in your... Um, social media feeds I constantly do people that are trying to fund to be involved in the sports that they love before they even get a chance to pull on black jerseys they have to be able to participate at whatever level they're at and that actually takes a lot of personal fundraising so you've been pulling together a survey you bit off something right you started one little question and then bam here's a whole heap of answers talk me through how this all came together Oh, we needed, um, you know, I think, I think a big part of this is, is getting to know people. How do you do that? You ask questions. <laughs> and so, yes, that's, that's sort of where it started. Um, you know, there were, there were athletes crushing it well before Danny and I got here to New Zealand. This is not a new concept. You know, these, these athletes have been there and people have been there before them. But 
I think with us, um, it was really about just building the community around that and sort of having a place for everybody to go to. Um, and, and with really intentional values around it, mm-hmm. right? That it's not um, only picking the sports where there's maybe the most money involved or maybe picking the sports that um, you see the most on television, right? It's about yes and. Yes, we cover this sport and this sport and this sport and this sport. And if a woman is doing it, we're covering it. We're into it. So we just figured, well, you know, we're hearing these one-off anecdote stories about, oh, you know, my women's team for my local club, you know, uh, has more success than my men's team. But all the funding and all the resources from this club goes to the men's team Um, or, Oh, I went to a local business to see if they would support my women's team or me as an individual woman athlete. And they already support the the men's team. So they don't have any funding for me or, or they're already supporting, you know, my uh, male counterpart in this. And I think a lot of that has just been historical, right? It's not that the businesses ever thought, Oh, we're being so intentional and we're only going to support men. It's just that they've always done it. Right. And so they've never had to rethink it. They've never, um, you know, all of those pieces of the pie have been eaten up. So we said, well, okay, we're small and we're new and we're self-funded, but like, let's make a little pie and like just earmark it for women's sports. Um, So we decided that we're going to do an International Women's Day fundraiser um, where we are going to support four um, incredible women athletes and teams across different sports, across different regions of New Zealand, across different age groups. Um, we we got a uh, we put out an application. We got 150 responses to that application. Uh, like I said, we selected four. But the great thing about that was that um, all 150 gave us some really great data. We just asked them, what's your experience like with fundraising as a woman athlete um, or a, a woman's team here in New Zealand. The data showed the disparity in men's and women's funding for men's and women's sports. We need a, um, a Title IX here in New Zealand. If you don't know what that is, that is a piece of legislation that was brought into the USA in the 1970s that required any federal funding, so just think of that as being government money, uh, that was given to it was originally actually just supposed to cover education programs, but the back door was women's sports programs had to receive equal funding if they received a government grant. Still not actually meant that there's 100% compliance across there, but it has meant that there's eyes on it. And uh, if we were wanting to tackle any type of fairness here, and I was speaking to members of the last government about how we needed to be drafting up a version of our legislation here, I feel like it is beyond time for High Performance Sports New Zealand, Sports New Zealand itself, any government funding that is given to sports, and it's still given a lot to sports that you wouldn't think. Like, for example, rugby. People think of rugby being funded by the All Blacks. Bullshit. Before the COVID hit, the, uh, New Zealand rugby was already in debt. Okay? So they love to say that COVID caused the problem. No, no, they were already in debt. And rugby gets that money. And do you think they spend dollar to dollar between the men's and the women's programs? No, they do not. But my taxpayers' money is going to prop up men's rugby, just like my rugby fees are, just like my tickets that I buy at a game. Every single dollar that I put into my sport out of my taxes or my personal funds funds men first and women as an afterthought. Pisses me off anyway. If the women 
in New Zealand are crushing it at this level. In spite of all of these obstacles and the lack of funding and the lack of resources and the lack of attention and having to work three and four jobs just to afford to play the sport that they love. And they're still crushing it on the global stage. Just imagine, just imagine if they were given a sliver of attention, funding, resources, they would blow it out of the water, blow it out of the water. And if you want to just talk women's sports from a purely, you know, profitable standpoint, that's it. People who are not getting on board with this are leaving money on the table. (laughs) Yeah. If you are a person that um, claims to be driven by money or like the numbers, um, first of all, you're full of shit because I have seen the numbers. And the numbers are only pointing at investment in one part of sport at the moment, and that is women's. Like, the trajectory across virtually all sports at the moment is, like, at minimum stagnation of, like, men's market growth in their sports. Most Mm. places actually decline because there is an element of this which is just, like, reshuffling. More sports are becoming more available, and that's great. People are finding their way to what is actually their more natural home. They are being like Mel and realizing that dancing is not for them, and they were always meant to do taekwondo. So these people are a natural movement, and if the overall participation number is still carrying, I'm fine with that. But the other thing we're seeing is this decline, and we're seeing a decline in interest as well in terms of fans that are engaging with this stuff. But we are not seeing that. Where you're consistently seeing numbers continue to grow, despite, like we're saying, a massive, like, no encouragement to do so. None. It's in women's sports. So, yeah, if you like money, put it in there. Like, like, if you want money, excuse me, this is my economics degree talking. Um, It's like supply and demand, baby. They're like, demand is there. Why aren't you supplying? Um, Okay. Exactly. I uh, will give it to the other questions we ask people all the time, but what I'm going to do right now is like a little bit of a sale pitch to you, the listener. Hello. Kilda, uh, breaking the fourth wall. Do you have those in audio? I don't know. Anyway, I'm speaking to you directly. If you've listened this far, congratulations. Um, you enjoy all of our voices. Appreciate you. Appreciate you so much. Chances are you're going, okay, cool. All of these things, what can I do? The answer is something. You can actually do something, and it doesn't have to be heaps. What it does need to be is a little bit of something. If you can't afford yourself to chip in, and honestly, it's not going to be asking for the world. If you can if you can put five bucks, if you can put two, beautiful, do it. If we got all of our um, current followers to put $2 in, how much money is that, Danny? I don't know. I can't do maths. <laughs> yeah, thousands. Yeah. Thousands. thousands. Right? Yeah. So if we did that, that'd be beautiful. If you can't do that, though, if it really is, because you know what? Cost of living is real. What you can do is you can share these stories that we're going to be putting out there, and you can put that in front of the faces of some of your friends that might have some more money. But what we are going to do is we're going to put this money in, and we're going to do this because in this space, we know that these this money we are raising is going directly to. I can't tell you the amount of times I've been frustrated where I have wanted to put money in the pockets of women's sports, and I haven't been able to whether that's that I can't buy merchandise or whether I can't buy a jersey that I want. I don't actually want a jersey. I want a hoodie. But anyway, if I can't get those things, what that does mean is that there is money left in my pockets and we're better to dip into them than right now and be putting in towards some of these people. So if you are the type of person that has ever bought a ticket to a game, you're going to buy a ticket to these people's future and you're going to put some money in their account 
You're going to follow all the links and things that will be all over women's sports for all of this week in the celebration of feminist Christmas. You are going to put something under the tree. And that something is going to be you investing to accelerate progress. Okay, that's the sales pitch. <laughs> <laughs> that was my version today of what I would soapbox on. And and I think the larger soapbox that I'm forever stepping on is, is the Captain Planet phrase that I was raised on, which is, the power is yours. <laughs> the power is yours. You always have more than you think. And if you team up together, man, you can create a man with a mullet. And we can create change for women's sports. So that's what we're going to do, okay? The man with the mullet is Captain Planet. Danny, you're looking confused. Honestly, Alice, there's so many phrases. The other day you did oh, box, box of birds. birds. Box of birds? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's horrible. It's very endearing. I I have to say, this is part of the reason why mums and grandmas love me, is I speak with a lot more idioms than, like, other folks do. I don't know when that was in my life that, like, all of them installed themselves in my head, but here they are. They're so good. (laughs) Um, That's that's my soapbox. It's like, whenever you are feeling powerless, don't get mad, get organised. Okay? So we get organised, we find our people, and we make shit happen. Don't wait. You'll wait forever for the old men to die. They'll just keep replacing themselves. So we have to replace them with our ideas instead, okay? Um, not all men. I do like some. Okay. Danny, what would you climb up on a soapbox and have people know? Oh, this is – I mean, I have so many things that I would climb on a soapbox about. <laughs> I feel like New Zealand women athletes are missing out on a massive opportunity to leverage their – their athlete persona through social media. I think that is a massive opportunity that we have right now through things like Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, right? Pick your poison. But, you know, have your personal private Instagram for you and your friends. Go get shwasty on a Saturday night, post all about it, have a great time. But also if you are an athlete performing at any sort of level where you want to get some sort of brand sponsorship, you should be posting about it on the internet. You should be putting pictures of or videos of yourself playing your sport, competing in your sport, what it takes, day in the life of an athlete. It is going to open up so many doors for you in terms of potential funding And while I know it can be very intimidating or feel a little ick or a little cringe to shout out what you're accomplishing or what you're doing or even what you're attempting to do, I think that putting it out there will, um, with the right safety mechanisms in place to protect yourself, but it will just open up so many opportunities um, for you to take your sport in a, in a totally, um, onto a totally different level. Ooh. that's a um you know let's be honest I wouldn't be sitting here and I wouldn't be doing the job that I now do for myself if it wasn't for the internet and being public on the internet also like block 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 no, oh, yeah. as, as, as soon as I even hear a sniff you actually might be okay but if I've heard a sniff of like an echo of like whatever bullshit I've heard a thousand times block immediately zero tolerance zero tolerance for nonsense online it's a it's a place to find your community, not change people's opinions. Anyway, <laughs> now this is an interesting one because obviously we are 
not necessarily in our sports to be able to talk about Tuakana and Tana, but I still think we can talk about big and little sisters in terms of people that inspire us in this, mm. what, this thing we're trying to do. Mm. Um, Alice, and, will you kick us off? Yeah, if I'm thinking about Tuakana, I'm going to cheat and I'm going to name three. I'm going to name firstly um, my friend Ellie Donnelly, who is the woman that set up Scrum Queens, which for a long time was the only place that existed on the internet that I could find coverage of women's rugby and just women's rugby and international women's rugby, um, supported by the lovely John, who is just one of those beautiful um, men that just gets in behind. And he's so beautifully detailed oriented that his spreadsheet was adopted by world rugby to implement the world ranking system like ah, magnificent but anyway ellie um also not unlike me we're, we're funny she's she's based in ireland and we've actually never met in person which is so odd because she's so important to me but like in a removed way um but we have a lot of echoes in that yeah like me didn't like play for the country but played and loved it but then spent more time thinking about how to champion it, I guess. And then, like me too, is fascinated with the history. And so she's written the history book on women's rugby, which is Scrum Queens, um, the story of women's rugby, which covers the origin of our sport from the 1800s through to um, 2020. Um, And she also, like me, worked in politics for a time. She was the head of comms at Downing Street, for goodness sake, and then um, doing this stuff on the side. I don't know how she does anything. But anyway... (laughs) Whenever I'm thinking about rugby stuff, I love having a conversation with her about it. And um, so she's very much that for me within that rugby space. And then I think another one in terms of just like the writing space has to be uh, Suze McFadden, the founding editor of Locker Room. If you've ever enjoyed anything I've written, you can thank her for that because I was asked to write and then edited heavily in the first few things. And it drove me mad and it almost made me stop because the things that were being edited was history. And I was like, no, I've already got a lot of that. That's why I've turned up because I want to put history on the record, not have it edited out of an opinion piece. So Suze saw me have opinions on the internet and had asked me if I would write for them. And her editorship was just beautiful and that I was a freelancer and the thing to understand around that is, like, for the most part, you write a thing, you send it in, and then that's actually, like, that's the extent of your relationship. Mm-hmm. Whereas Suze would always check in with me, particularly when I chose to write about things that were maybe a bit controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the first time that I wrote and around my personal opinion around the in- inclusion of trans athletes in my sport, um, you know, she did a lot of caretaking of me that week to make sure that I was all right, which she had no need to do as a freelancer but again I think just spoke to me of like that importance of we don't just tell stories and then walk away like I think mm-hmm. if you've been given the gift of telling someone's story like you leave a part of you with that person and in that relationship so very much seeing how she modeled that and seeing what she did and seeing what she did with locker room but seeing also where I wanted to take it further which was like off the online and inter community and we've had this conversation and she is such a champion and listens to this podcast. So maybe she'll listen to this episode, but yeah, it's so much love for Suze. And then the last person that I want to say um, in terms of big sisters, I don't actually know if she's older than me, but I think of her as a big sister in terms of Rowena Everett, 
because she's an inspirer to me in terms of doing. Like I am someone that I have lots of ideas, but it's hard sometimes for me to find a crew of people around me that will help those ideas come into reality. And I see Ra do this all the time. She's always doing the most random shit that I wouldn't even expect. And But it's magic. She was just left her role as the head coach of the Northland Cody, where she'd built a, them into a premiership team. What's the next thing I see her doing up north? Running a wananga to help people learn how to build cabins? Like, what the fuck? But, like, that's mana motohaki, you know? Like, that's empowering people around that independence and that reclaiming and, like, all that important shit. You know what I mean? And I'm like... I just never know what to expect from her, but I always know it's going to be epic and audacious. And so, like, yes, she's someone that inspires me all the time. So those are my tuakana that I just take such, yeah, such such uh, inspiration from. Yeah, I can see that for sure. <laughs> Good luck editing that down, Mel. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think we're just gonna have to fit it in. <laughs> yeah, I think um, you know we could certainly take this in lots of. Uh, personal ways. There are lots of people who have paved the way for each of us, but Mm -hmm. I'll just say maybe for women's sports, our our new project, um, some of the kind of tuakana there are um, Haley Rosen, who's the Mm -hmm. CEO and founder of Just Women's Sports. Um, Massively impressed by her um, and where she's taken that in just a few years to just be absolutely massive and be the brand for women's sports and have it's such a touch point for so many other uh, ventures that have started you know like she she kind of touched on something at the right moment in the right way and we definitely while we have already learned even just in a few months that the strategy for New Zealand women's sports fans has to be different than American women's sports fans um, there's so many things that we've learned from her. Um, Chloe Dalton, um, who founded the Female Athlete Project out of Australia, another incredible um, inspiration. And then also Jenny Wynn, who uh, opened the sports bra in Portland, Oregon. Um, Absolute legend of just taking chances because uh, when when no one believed that her idea would work, right? A sports bra that just plays women's sports. I mean, people pretty much laughed at her and, and she did it and it's been a massive success and it's been such a mecca for women's sports fans around the world to travel to the sports bra in Portland, Oregon. And now there are ones popping up all over. Um, So I think, you know, she's started a movement. Um, So really just shout out to all those three women. Mm. You can see um, Haley has done a TEDx talk. I really recommend um, finding that. I don't know, again, if we might link it, but uh, it is definitely worth watching. I love the way that she speaks about how we need to stop talking about women's sports like a charity and instead Mm. start talking about it like entertainment. You don't do this in case you're not doing anything else. You do this because you love it. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Now you've had lots of time to think. (laughs) (laughs) I got it. Yeah? Lupo. Right. Down. Yep. Lupo is definitely my Tuakana. Um, Even though she's significantly younger than you. So much younger than me. Uh, Yeah. She, I could not uh, make my way around editing a podcast without her. Like she has definitely um, gotten me to where I am for sure when it comes to editing these podcasts. Um, And I could not have done it with honor. That's, that's for sure. 
Lupo, for folks who don't know, is Lucy Pollock. She um, is one of the hosts of Quarter Time Podcast, which is a netball podcast out of the UK. She happened to uh, move to New Zealand for a year um, on a working holiday visa with her lovely partner, Austin, and somehow found women's sports on Instagram right as soon as we launched and reached out and just said, hey, if y'all need any help. Uh, she probably didn't say y'all. If you need it, <laughs> I'm not going to do my British accent. If you need any help, let me know. And we we're like, yes, we do need help. Please help us. Um, and she was integral in getting our podcast up and running. We mm. honestly could not have done it without her. Yeah. So even though she is, oh God, half our age. <laughs> mm. She's she's in the background of this, but like she is part of mm. women's sports. Mm. Like she she uh, has just been incredibly helpful. Mm. Yeah. Women supporting women. Okay, mm. little sisters. I feel like if I'm talking about Taina in in respect to what I'm doing, I would speak about the young women at my rugby club that I coach. These ones that are under 20, they're between 16 and 20 years old and they're playing in our women's grade. But, like, they represent to me, like, ultimately, like, why are we do any of this? The only reason that my friend Mac and I are coaching at that team is to try and keep our club open so that locals can play local and don't have to move. Even though in rugby that only means, like, <coughs> 15 minutes away. But for us, it's important that they get to play in the same clubs that their brothers and their dads and their uncles have all played in but also like the confidence at which they step into the club space to me is just giving me so hope so much hope that like everything that we did was worth it because I've we've just uh, coming to the end of like what is our preseason period and we've never really had women turn up at club preseason and there's lots of reasons for that. In part, it's because that space really hasn't been welcoming to the women to come down to. They may say it's for the whole club, but really it's like come watch the Prems train and do some sprints around it. Um, and so our club has really changed that and has tried to embrace more. But just the confidence at which these women are coming in there, are running alongside the boys, are jumping into the um, into the drills, aren't afraid at all that, they have the skills, but also that this is their space. And like that that entitlement, which I feel like we are often use like negatively against the young people in our sports. We say, oh, the entitlement of our youth. The entitlement of our youth gives me such strength because it's like you believe you deserve this and so do I. That's why we've been here this whole time. And that's mm-hmm. so fucking cool that you actually now believe it without me having to like open your eyes up to it. You're already turned up thinking this is yours and that's epic you know because if they think that about their local club space then they'll expect that of their local like rep teams they'll expect that of the black fans they'll expect that of whatever sport they're watching they expect that they are a part of it and that entitlement is what I love about the this next group of Taino that are coming into our sport absolutely yeah yeah that's a that's a cool position that you're in what about you guys? Have you got some little sisters that you're excited about? Through this, you know, glorified Instagram channel that we have, it's now turned into a podcast and, and is growing. We get to meet really incredible athletes every single day. And they're all, of course, so much younger than we are. Um, and 
I would say every single one of them is like my, my Tana. Like I'm so proud Mm -hmm. of them getting to hype them up Mm -hmm. on social media, getting to comment on their uh, posts that where they, you know, have achieved something or they're working hard towards something or they had some sort of disappointment, but they're working through it. Whatever is happening in their day, just getting to cheer them on is so, oh, it's such a privilege to get to do that. That is so special. I feel like now I have like, you know, 1400 little sisters that I follow uh, that are absolutely smashing it. And I'm so proud of them. Like that's my, like, you know, my, my dog mom energy that I'm bringing. I'm not a human mom, but like, that's the energy I, I love um, to give, even though I'm like, you know, solidly an elder millennial and I'm like playing these silly games on Instagram. Like when people DM on Instagram and you get a response or you share something like that's me. I'm messaging you like this nearly 37 year old white lady. Like I am not cool, but I love that y'all are cool and y'all are hyping me up. Like, Oh, couldn't, couldn't thank you enough. I love that too. I feel like that's something we have to explain more. We get this question a lot when we go out and we're like, Hey, we're Danny and Mel from women's sports. And, and these, these women will be like, Oh yeah, you commented on my post. Who are you? <laughs> and uh, you know, that's fair. That's totally fair. Totally <laughs> fair. They just want to know, like, who are we? Why are some weird Americans like commenting on their post and sharing about them achieving something, something or accomplishing something or winning a trophy or whatever? Mm-hmm. But it's literally just because we think you're so cool and we want to hype you up. And we appreciate the hype that every single one of them is giving back to us. Like our DMs are just full of hype. And I love it. Yeah. It's very, very Mm. special. If you're looking for something positive and motivational and uplifting on your internet feed of information, (laughs) try women's sports. (laughs) May I interest you in women's sports? (laughs) Apart from like the rage bait, which is like sometimes our challenges we have to overcome. If you're just focusing on the performances, wowie, beautiful, amazing. Love it. You know? Yes. Beautiful. Then we're doing rapid fire and we're doing really quick. Okay. I'm asking the question. Whoever's going to jump in and tell me the answer. TikTok or Instagram? Instagram. Instagram. I TikTok. It's where I spend most of my time scrolling. Um, beach or mountains? Mountains. Beach. Probably beach. Um, would you rather wake up super rich or super fit? Fit. 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 i got to work on these. I'll take the money. I'll play tennis. <laughs> Run the empire. Um, I will be. I will be rich so I can pay for a PT and a chef oh, and yeah. a masseuse. <laughs> Your favorite team that you haven't played for? Oh, well, this is easy for us because we haven't played for many. <laughs> this is. This is so easy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's your favorite team that you haven't played for? Oh, Blackburn Sevens. Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, just like it's 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 an easy answer. I just oh. God, they're so amazing. They're just so cool. Fair enough. I would be the Black Ferns, but specifically the 1991 Black Ferns team. Because um, no. <laughs> I was like three years old at the time, but they were my favorite. Um, was that Jerry's team? Jerry's team. First one to go to the World Cup um, oh. in 91. And just like so many legends um, in that team. And if there was ever, if I was super rich, if there was ever a project that I would like to fund, it's the telling the proper story of that team. Um, songs what songs are we adding to the um, playlist I got mine yep song two by blur it's my go-to to get me hyped nice um I'm really into 
Can't Tame Her by Zara Larson right now, that song always gets me going. And I love the whole message behind it. It's like, just don't even try. <laughs> nice. Um, oh, gosh. I can think of a few, but I will probably say Moody by Jane Doe, which, yeah, you'll you'll see the lyrics. It, it makes sense. It makes sense to the whole vibe, but it's also just got a good beat, so it's just like it's good if you're lifting. Okay, last question, team. It's the least athletic thing you did this week. I trimmed our lavender. <laughs> That's the whitest that thing. Sounds, that That's sounds sweet. like such coded queer speak, can I just say? Trimming the lavender. <laughs> that it was be really quite cool. harsh and it grows back well. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, I went around looking for the best prices on peaches per kilo because every summer I make uh, peach jalapeno jam. Ooh. That's it. That's Congratulations, it. you made it. Congratulations, Mel. Look how long this runtime is. God, oh, no. <laughs> how are we ever going to edit this? God. Thank you once again to Danny and Mel for joining us today and for all they are doing to invest in women's sports. If you want to join them, jump over to Women's Sports today and see how you can pitch in to take our wahine to the next level. Let's go.